1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. I'd like you to follow as I read. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. What's that another word for? Dead. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if or since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the incredible promises in your wonderful word. Fathers, we look at this tonight. Would you give us insight? Father, would you use this in a special way to motivate me and others here about this exciting and imminent return that may happen momentarily, may happen before the service is over. Father, would you help us to see the urgency of presenting the gospel to those around about us. Thank you for that blessed hope. Would you bless as we look in the word tonight. Encourage these. Father, bless in the days ahead for the church we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Uh, the, the sense is uninformed, I think. Concerning them which are asleep. Now, we've, we probably have to think a little bit differently. We've got nearly 20 centuries of church. So some of this is built into us. We have an understanding about what happens to people in Christ who die, the dead in Christ. We, we have, but these were brand new believers in a brand new dispensation. And that's why Paul, in, in the most remarkable way, needed to present to them what was true about those who were in Christ who had passed away, who had died, who'd been buried. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. How many here have sorrowed at the loss, at the passing of a loved one? I've been at funerals 
dear saints' funerals where you never saw a tear, but incredible joy was there. Just about everybody at the funeral was a believer, and the one who'd gone to be with Jesus had a sweet and wonderful testimony. Do you, do you know what that... I, I don't know how many funerals I've conducted over the years. Maybe three or four hundred. I've done some where there was uncontrolled weeping. This older gentleman, he had children and grandchildren that were believers, but uh, I went to see him in the hospital when he was failing. I had a great visit with this guy. And then I said, before I leave, could I have a word of prayer with you? And he said, none of that, none of that. I, I, the call turned from what I thought was a, an amiable one to one where there was incredible uh, resistance. He didn't survive another week. And I watched one of his dear relatives throw herself on a casket weeping uncontrollably. Talk about sorrow. If that doesn't grab your heart to see what in the world was going on, believers have hope. They don't sorrow as the unbelieving do. As a matter of fact, it says, even as others which have no hope. I have some blood relatives who have no hope. I have some other blood relatives that are dear believers. Is there somebody in your family that you'd look at and say, they have no hope? They don't have Jesus, that means they have no prospect of heaven. What an incredible thing to keep in mind. Paul's giving instruction to these believers in this most unique way. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if or since... We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is brand new for these believers. Paul's giving clear instruction about what happens to those who die in Christ. Since we believe... Take your songbook, would you? We're, we're going to sing about that in just a minute. Uh, I, I would simply recount to you 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And here's what it says. Paul says to Timothy, if I can get my pages to turn. For the which cause I also suffer these things. 2 Timothy 1.12. 
Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. 443. Uh, let's do this uh, a cappella, shall we? Let's do the first, the second, and the last. By the way, I so much appreciated the ladies tonight. That was beautiful. Uh, that ministered to my heart. Are you there? 443? Uh, hopefully you can follow my lead here. I know not my God's wondrous grace to me. beautiful and that touched my heart because you sang from your heart or uh, verse 14 for if or since we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him can you see the Thessalonian believers getting this information for the very first time they may have had some concept, but what would this do to their grasp about the fellowship we share, even with those who've gone to be with the Lord? That, that must have brought incredible joy to these. 
Verse 15. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. I've heard some preachers in years gone by, uh, this going back to uh, shortly after I was saved in 1969. So how long ago was that? 54 years. Uh, some of those preachers are now with the Lord. Yet when they preach this, yet we which are alive and remain, they fully anticipated and expected that they were going to be alive and remain under the coming of the Lord. And yet, many of those guys now are with the Lord. Think on that just a little bit. Paul expected, I really believe, Paul expected to be alive and remain under the coming of the Lord. That's, that's the way he wrote this. Isn't that amazing? Then we read this in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Uh, that word shout has the sense of uh, a shout of encouragement or a shout of command. Very, very interesting. If you hear that shout, what does that do to your heart? We're going home. Glory. Would that not be exciting in the extreme? The shout with the voice of the archangel. Archangel is only mentioned two times in the New Testament. Here and in Jude 9, and there it's speaking about Michael the archangel. What's that voice going to say? Is it going to say, come up hither? What's that voice going to sound like? Just, just to whet your appetite, as it were. The shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Trumpets are, uh, in the Old Testament, the called a shofar. Have any of you ever heard a shofar? There were some fellows that visited here a number of years ago, and they brought one. And they said, have you heard one of these? And I said, no. So they played it in this room. Pastor Jesse was at the far end of the building, and he came running to see what in the world what, what, what was this incredible noise? Shofar. Trump. Trump of God. What does that sound like? Well, it's evident to me that that blast of the trumpet will be something that every Christian, even if they're deaf, will hear. Every Christian, even those that are asleep in Jesus, will hear the trump of God. Have you ever heard about something that was so loud it would wake the dead? 
maybe that's it. The trump of God. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I've heard people make light of this. They would say, well, they have to rise first. They have six feet farther to go. I, I, I see this as being God's plan and purpose to bring together those who are asleep in Jesus and those who yet are alive and remain. I can't think of a more incredible reunion than that moment. Incredible reunion. I want to tell you, being back here, Mary Jean and I, you know, I suppose the world would look at this and say it was kind of an accident that we happened to be in the neighborhood. Maybe it was an accident that we hadn't closed on the house in Harbor Beach and we were homeless. It, being back with folks that we've known and loved for 20 years, it, it was incredible. And some considerably more than 20 years, right, Brother Dwayne? We've been, some go back, uh, I think, uh, Jenny Lester, I taught in the 80s down in Oxford, but some we've known for a very long time. But the reunion was just incredibly heartwarming. It just, it touched our hearts in the most unique way. Just to renew fellowship and encourage one another and seek to, to be a blessing and to be blessed by the church at, at a time of need. You know, there could have been some real anxiety here. What do you do when your pastor leaves? We were with a couple of churches in that five years away that went through that. One of them up in the North Country. The first Sunday we were with them, everybody was looking at the floor. They'd just been through a church split. And, and they were devastated. Fourteen months later, they were singing and looking up. It's just, just exciting, you know. I don't think Hadley went through a time when you were all looking down. I think there is that expectation. God's doing something, and he's doing something very wonderful. We read... Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. This big reunion, that word caught has a, the, the sense behind it is, uh, some define it as to snatch away, but let me give you what Vine says. This verb conveys the idea of force suddenly exercised, just gone. Again, can you picture that? Can you see what the Lord's telling us about what's in front, what's ahead of us in the days ahead? 
We which are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In order to meet in the clouds, where are we going? We're going up. There are some that say, maybe the clouds here are what the book of Hebrews speaks of in Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with a so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I, I don't know how that's going to work. It sounds to me like a uh, bodily snatching away. I mean, the dead in Christ are going to rise. How do you think the world is going to respond to that incident? I, I think uh, they're already setting the stage for it. This sense about perpetrating lies, believing lies, a sense of delusion, if you please. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That word, I don't know uh, have you seen anything that remained forever? I thought I had a glimpse of forever when I was in 10th grade English. <laughs> and it seemed like the hour would never end. It went on and on. And, and I, I say that kiddingly. But I don't think we have a good sense of this. I read those genealogies in the Old Testament. people living nearly a thousand years. And you might begin to say, boy, it seems like they're going to last forever. No. After the flood, those lifespans diminish very quickly, as a matter of fact, until they're down to three score and ten. Brings to mind January the 8th when I was speaking, and I went through Psalm 90, the days of our years are three score year and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score, and that's right when I was interrupted with a TIA-like symptom. Um, sure and evidence that I'm in that neighborhood. I'm above the three score and ten, not quite to the four score yet. When the Lord catches away his church, when those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the dead in Christ, we shall be with the Lord forever, unceasingly, eternally. What an incredible, incredible promise. So what does Paul tell these dear folk? Verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another, with these words. 
Some would say encourage one another with these words. They are an encouragement for certain. In that early church where persecution surrounded them, what must this have done to them? Cause them to look forward, cause them to look upward, cause them to think about eternity with the Lord himself and about reunion with those who passed on, those who are dead in Christ. Do you think that would be an encouragement? Do you think that would be a comfort? Well, it still is. It still is. And that's something I believe God's people need to keep in mind. I, I'm excited about this particular passage, but I'm also mindful that a lot of guys that I've heard from years gone by preached, we, which are alive and remain. And they're not alive anymore. They're going to rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. I think that's probably, uh, as far as I want to take that tonight, good Lord willing, we'll uh, keep going for another week or so in First Thessalonians. Uh, I'm scheduled at this point to speak the morning of Palm Sunday, and I think we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, his account, uh, the triumphal entry. And, uh, and we'll look at that then. <clears throat> In the meantime, pray for Luke. It, if it's possible for him to speak on the 16th of April, that's kind of exciting. Uh, I heard folks ask, can he be here sooner? Anybody hear that when, uh, when the vote was taken? Well, evidently, <laughs> evidently, he may be here sooner, at least sporadically sooner. And uh, we'll just pray that the Lord directs all of that. Pray for Brother Tim. Uh, he, he's, he, he's a man with a, a lot of things he's juggling right now, and uh, especially about his dad and getting his dad back home. Uh, his son coming down from up north, his dad hopefully coming up from down south at He's got a lot of things to, to, to juggle, so if you pray for Tim, I think he'd appreciate that. And pray for his friend Jason at work. Let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll have Brother Tim come close us out. Father, we, uh, we read your word with joy and delight and anticipation. And yet, Father, we're mindful that there are those around us who yet have no hope. They've not trusted Christ. Father, I'd pray for the uh, 85-year-old gentleman that we had the privilege of talking to yesterday and leaving a gospel track with. Father, from our perspective, it appears he has no hope. Would you cause that gospel track to, to resonate in his heart and mind? He'd read the Word of God and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Father, we pray for Jason, Brother Tim's co-worker. Father, would you uh, 
in a wonderful way, enable him to grasp and see the, the truth of the gospel. Father, that he might come to personal faith in Jesus. Father, would you work out the details that have to do with Pastor Luke coming? Father, we pray that you'll guide and direct in the preparations that are being made already. Father, would you guide each and every step? Would you bless the church family as they pray one with another, as they encourage one another? Father, we thank you again for your wonderful working. Would you dismiss us tonight with these uh, incredible verses of joy and anticipation? Father, would you help us to uh, not only understand them, but seek to live in light of them? Pray, Father, you'll bless as we close on Jesus' name. Amen.